Greetings and welcome to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. Today's topic is the path of Buddhism. Please welcome Reverend George Wolfe. Hello and welcome to Converging Streams. Today we are happy to have with us Mr. Glenn Stewart. Glenn works for the Cardinal Health System as a home health nurse and he is also an excellent musician. He plays guitar and attended the Berkeley School of Music in Boston, Massachusetts. Glenn comes to us because he has been following uh, the Buddhist path and has many insights and stories to tell us about how he came to that tradition. Glenn, welcome. We're happy you're with us today. Thank you. I thought we might have you start just by telling us uh, the story of your spiritual path and how you came to uh, have an interest in Buddhism. Thanks. When I was growing up, I didn't have any particular spiritual background or attend any church. My father was in the Air Force, and we traveled quite a bit. And something that's unique about the military is often they will have either a Protestant or a Catholic service. In my family, sometimes we would go there, but um, overall, we didn't attend any particular church. However, when I was in my teenage years, I really started to think a lot about spiritual things, our purpose in life, what I should be doing, and uh, I did actually uh, join another church, but I was finding it, it didn't actually satisfy all my my needs, and, and I was trying to find a purpose. Uh, around about five years ago, I moved up to the Navajo Nation. I was a public health nurse there, and the great thing about that place is it is incredibly isolated. It gives you a lot of time for introspection and thought, and it was during that time that I started to really immerse myself in spiritual traditions and self-improvement. Now, where was this located, the Navajo Nation? Well, the Navajo Nation, it actually is up in the Four Corners area, which spans Arizona, New Mexico, Utah, and Colorado. I was about 12 miles from a beautiful area called Monument Valley. Um, it's, it's beautiful spires of red rock, and it is where the Navajo people have their reservation. Um, while I was up there, I started to really look into different spiritual traditions. Some things that I had noticed throughout my life is um, no matter what I had attained or what those around me had attained, it didn't always bring satisfaction. For example, when I first got my house, I thought, gosh, this is going to do it. Once I get my house, I'll be happy. I got my house, and it was nice, but it didn't really do the trick. Um, after a while, I was feeling this kind of vague discomfort. Then later on, um, I got a job as a nurse uh, when we had our kids. And I think that what I was starting to see is that was awfully universal. The doctors that were up there had attained incredible things in their career, but there was a vague discomfort there as well. And we see that in people that are millionaires, rock stars. It's a universal thing that people often have this discontent no matter what they attain. I was starting to get the sense that happiness and fulfillment would probably come from within. This reminds me of just, uh, just hearing you speak here about this uh, passage comes to mind from the Christian Gospels, we should lay up treasures in heaven rather than laying up treasures on earth. <laughs> That's true. Laying and that, up treasures on earth doesn't, doesn't yield the fulfillment that we truly seek. 
It doesn't, and that's. I think that that's a universal truth that we can all come to, no matter what faith we're in. It's something that is universal in all wisdom traditions. Um, I read a book that was uh, very instrumental in my initial path into Buddhism. It, it is not from a Buddhist, but it's called The Road Less Traveled from M. Scott Peck. Yes, I heard of that. Mm-hmm. The first actual sentence in there is that life is difficult. And in there he talks about that the purpose of life is not necessarily to escape the unhappiness, the discomfort, but to understand it and give it a different meaning. And soon after I had read that book and really started to get that inside my psyche, I uh, saw a program on TV, and it had to do with Vipassana Buddhism, and it was called Doing Time, Doing Vipassana. And it was about uh, a gentleman called S.N. Goenka. He was an Indian tradition, but he had studied Buddhism in Burma, and he was going around to different prisons in India, the results of his practice of people learning Vipassana meditation, which is a type of Buddhism, mm-hmm. is it was incredible. And it's something that just really struck me because one of the other things I was thinking about is in psychology, for people to change, they have to learn to separate the gap between stimulus and response. In other words, if you're driving down the road, someone honks at you, your natural response might be to get mad. Or if your boss is getting on you, you, you probably uh, will, your natural response will be to cower. Well, in psychology, they talk about you can choose your response, but how to do that? How to do that? And Vipassana Buddhism showed me how to do that. Your uh, Feelings, repression, we know that doesn't work. Expression, uh, just going into a rage doesn't work. In between expression and repression, there exists another choice, and that is just mere observance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what Buddha called the middle path. It a lot is. Of, a lot of times I think people misunderstand what Buddha said when he talked about desire as being the source of all suffering and eliminating desire, but he wasn't talking about the repression of desire. He was talking about taking the mind to that level where one can experience uh, oneself in a state of fulfillment without desire. Right, and uh, there we run into problems with semantics sometimes, wondering what exactly he meant. My sense in my evolution right now is that it's more attachment. It's not desire. It's okay in Buddhism to enjoy things. But when you cling to it and you don't want that to go away, Right. Um, there is a natural fact of nature that all things go away. In Sanskrit, it's called anicca. It means that there's constant change, and everything that's nice here will eventually pass away. We will pass away. We're in constant state of flux. And uh, it's just trying to fight against that, which is inevitable. I like to use the metaphor, if you're sitting in the sunlight, you don't find yourself desiring a candle. Exactly. And in a sense, the, because the sunlight is so full that the thought of a candle just doesn't come up. And you don't have to repress. You don't have to try to keep yourself from desiring a candle. <laughs> it no. just doesn't come up because the sunlight is full. full. And I, I think the, the path you're speaking of leads to a, an experience of life where one becomes able to let go of that attachment because of the fullness one is living within. That's true. Your metaphor is also good. And that if you were sitting in the sunlight and you didn't want the dark to come, which is inevitable, 
then you are going to be disappointed Mm -hmm. because night comes as surely as day comes. So, but if you enjoy the sunlight while it's there, and then when the night comes, enjoy the beauty that's there, then you're starting to embody some of the ideas that Buddha taught. Right. I'd like to just take a moment and and read a passage from um, the Dharma Pada, which is one of the scriptures of Buddhism. Mm -hmm. I think it's always good for people to hear uh, the scriptures of other traditions. And this uses the metaphor of thirst, which is the metaphor that Buddha used for craving and how Mm -hmm. we should eliminate thirst. Uh, I'll begin here. The thirst of a thoughtless man grows like a creeper. He runs from life to life like a monkey seeking fruit in the forest. Whomsoever this fierce thirst overcomes, full of poison in this world, his sufferings increase. He who overcomes this fierce thirst, difficult to be conquered in this world, sufferings fall off from him like water drops from a lotus leaf. I also like to point out that in uh, a Hindu scripture called the Upanishads, it speaks of the knowledge of Brahman, that is the ultimate reality, having drunk of which one will never thirst. Again, using the same metaphor. It also brings to mind the passage in the Christian Gospels where Jesus says to the woman at the well, if you drink the water that I will give you, you will never thirst. So there is this common metaphor that's being used I think to describe this universal experience that you've been speaking about, of how pursuing temporal, material things mm-hmm. um, never never brings us to a state where we're completely satisfied in life. It doesn't. And then sometimes you run into, well, what does? And something I've learned in Buddhism is um, that we create a lot of the problems. Uh, for example, thirst... Uh, the actual thirst is a sensation, but our response to that, for example, if you were if you were feeling a little thirsty, but you knew in two hours that you you're driving down the road and you might see another store where you could buy something, you probably wouldn't feel as intensely as if you were stranded out on a desert and you felt the thirst. And that's something that I've learned in Buddhist mindfulness meditation is that we add quite a bit, mm-hmm. and suffering and pain are actually different. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've found uh, when I'm doing mindfulness meditation. And I'll give you a, a quick description of what mindfulness meditation would entail. You'll sit quietly and you'll begin to center your mind, usually on the sensation of breath. And this uh, brings you to a point called samadhi. And it allows the thoughts that seem to be running in our mind constantly to quiet down so you can notice the things. And then you'll just observe whatever comes up, sensations, thoughts, those types of things. And you, the trick is you don't cling or push away, craving or aversion. You just notice what the Buddhists call equanimity. And that is something that takes a while to cultivate. But uh, I'll give you an example. I've sat in things that would cause me quite a bit of pain, like my knee started hurting and I just felt the sensations welling up. I would sit and observe it and I could see the cycles, the repetition, the habit pattern that I had had in my body for all my years start to rev up. But as I tried to practice equanimity, 
I noticed that they would stop at a certain point, and then you could observe the sensations. It w was it hot? Was it cold? Did it travel? Did it pulsate? And then the sensations would actually pass away, what the Buddhists call anicca. Mm -hmm. And that, the wisdom that that brought me is that we um, often, it's our response to the stimuli in the environment that causes the problems. It's not always the stimuli. We're almost out of time here, but I, I wanted to touch on uh, a recent interest in Buddhism and uh, modern science. Um, one of the things that was hard for me to really grasp when I was in Buddhism is the concept of non-self. In other words, um, our sense of self doesn't really exist. It's an illusion. Uh, in Hinduism, they call it maya. Well, um, when you get down to the atomic level, we are in constant flux with our environment. Heraclitus, the great Greek philosopher, said that you cannot step in the same river twice hmm. because the river, the water that you stepped in has continued to flow. It's always changing. Exactly. But that is actually the case with us as well. We are constantly changing cells in our body. We make a new liver every six weeks. We make a new skeleton every month. And also 98% of the atoms that are in us are completely changed in one year. They've uh, done that with radioisotope studies. So we are, in a sense, the same as Heraclitus' analogy of the river. We are in constant flux. So we are not our bodies. Through Buddhism, we learn that we are not our thoughts as well. Well, well thank you very much for being with us today. We really appreciate having your insights and bringing to us uh, the wisdom of Buddhism to our program, Converging Streams. Thanks again, Ben. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship with content and financial support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie and technical support from radio stations WCRD and Work FM. Most importantly, we thank you, our listeners and followers, for your support. To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza, George Wolf, and Thomas Perchlick. Thank you for listening, and have a pleasant week.